I disappeared for a long time and I disappeared from everything. I disappeared from my own business. I disappeared from hanging out with friends. I disappeared from everything that I used to know that used to define me because I didn't really know me. And I realized that I was spending the majority of my life trying to live in the eyes of others for the approval of others for the praise of others but not really living you know not really living life for me for myself for getting to know myself and it all just stopped because I realized I didn't really know who I was. I didn't really know what I was all about. I didn't really know the why of what I was doing anymore. And I was starting to get lost in, in, in my work, but not in a good way. And, um, I just, I just had to come back to the root of it all. I had to come back to myself. So it's been maybe a little under a year, maybe a little over a year. I'm not even sure at this point since I've actually recorded um, a podcast. So today is... Uh, Thursday, April 6th, 2017, it's 8.28 p.m. And I'm sitting on my bed and I am in the company of my beautiful dog, Guaidi, who I love. And the lights are off and I'm just in the zone right now. Um, I was watching a lot of interviews of women that I admire, by women that I admire. Um, And I was also talking a lot uh, with my partner about, you know, just evolution. And so I'm going to dedicate this podcast to growth and evolution and living in joy, living in my joy, you living in your joy, and just what that all means to me at this point in my life, what that can mean for you at the point that you are in your life. And I just want to talk about my story. Um, So I started... I started Initiative Space in uh, August, 
or September of 2013, 2014. And I was up until that point working as a teacher from the time that I graduated from graduate school um, until 2012. And in 2012, I had gained a lot of weight. Um, I was like 205, 6, 7, 8 pounds. Um, I had never been that size before. I was like, you know, in my mid-twenties, and I was just really, really unhappy. I remember getting ready for work every day and actually crying in the shower as I got ready for work and crying on the train as I rode to work. And I remember always like sweating a lot, you know, like even in the winter time being like really, really anxiety filled and and sweaty and just like a big mess, like a big, big, big mess. And um, I held it together by, by really like, honestly, like laughing a lot. And, and, and being funny, but there's some truth and there's some sadness in someone who's always making um, jokes about things because there's, 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 there's always some truth behind what you say about yourself or the things that you joke about about yourself, right? So I was a big joker and I was a big uh, worrier and... I had a lot of anxiety, and the way that I used to handle my anxiety was I would actually go to a lot of happy hours, you know, and I would drink a whole lot of margaritas, which I love. Um, I, I had this favorite place that I would go uh, with with one of my friends, and then I would take other friends. It was it was called El Cantinero, and it's um, in Union Square. Um, and I love that place because I felt free there. I felt that, you know, in drinking alcohol, I could release and forget about all the worries that I had and just be, you know, I didn't have to worry about being perfect or saying the right thing or whatever because like I wasn't at work and I, I I wasn't trying to it wasn't about like my credentials it was about just being in that moment and as I reflect now I realize that I used to drink to sort of get to my truth um, but the interesting thing also about drinking was that I would, all, you know, I wouldn't remember anything that happened the next day, but I would be functional and I would, you know, be able to teach my students the next day and, and be fine. And, um, 
but yeah, I was always in this constant state of of worrying, worrying, what are people going to think about me? Worrying, what's my mom going to think about me? What's my dad going to think about me? And I was holding on to a lot of fear. I was driven, my entire life was driven by fear. And there is so much truth to listening to your body, right? Like, to just listening to what it is telling you, because essentially... Your body is a reflection of your truth. Your body is a reflection of the, the connection that you have with the universe um, and God. And the fact that I was so anxious all the time meant that I wasn't in the now. I wasn't present, right? They say that like when you're feeling anxiety, you're focusing on the future. When you're feeling a lot of depression and regret, you're focusing on your past. But when you feel really relaxed and calm, you are in the moment. You are living in your truth. You're living in your moment. Um, but I think for me, I had to drink in order to let go of all of that and just be, you know, and um, and I know I like I had worked really hard, and I'm gonna jump around a bit in my life, but I worked really hard um, in school because my parents used to tell me that I didn't need a job, you know, like as a teenager, when other friends of mine had jobs, um, because my job was school, and I had the privilege of not having to work while I was in school because my main focus was doing well. And I remember, you know, really stressing out about my grades and, you know, not really doing the things that teenagers did because I just was so, so occupied or preoccupied with school that getting good grades that I was, and, and, then, and then like, you know, just, being an only child, like, be, be feeling like I, everything was relied upon by my mom for me that, you know, that I had to do well, that I was, had to be perfect, you know, and I, I had to get A's. And I, I graduated from high school, and I wasn't a valedictorian or anything, anything like that. There were, like, you know, maybe like 500 or something kids in my grade, maybe less. It just felt like so much, maybe 300. I don't know. But there were a lot of kids in my grade and in my senior year class. And I was, I remember I was the 12th of, in terms of my placement, I was 12th. Um, and I was proud of that, you know? I mean, I wasn't a valedictorian, but I was proud to be, like, one of the top students in my grade. Um, and then I remember I had to make a decision between going to two different schools. And I remember one of the schools was really fun. <laughs> and I had a good time, and I felt that I could be myself. And then the other school 
was really intellectually stimulating and had very passionate students. And that was also very encouraging because that reflected my my very studious side. And I frankly, honestly, was worried that (laughs) if I went to the other school I was considering for college that I would have maybe had too much fun. And at that point in my life, having too much fun wasn't something I learned was okay. So I chose the school where I met really interesting and compassionate students, um, and that school was Wellesley. And I had a, I mean, like, that was a great school. It is a great school. It's a great institution. Um, And I'm happy that I went there. I learned so much in terms of the ability to write and think and speak and express myself and communicate well. Um, And... But I, I remember, like, reflecting now, I don't think I learned a lot about just how to be, you know, just how to be myself. The most significant learning experience I had while I was at Wellesley was the opportunity to study abroad. And I, in 2006, I got to travel um, in this traveling honors program, and it was it went to India, China, and Argentina, and it was just amazing, like amazingly magical. And I don't remember like every instance of the trip, every moment of the trip, but I just do remember feeling for once like, oh my gosh, like there is this entire world this entire world outside of myself outside of what I've learned outside of New York you know where I'm from New York City that that is amazing and what have I been doing in my like oh at that point I was like 20 my 20 year old self you know so I think that that, that 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 experience was really great, and I'm so fortunate to have been able to do that. Um, and I also I also learned about in hindsight. I also learned a lot about boundaries and setting boundaries for yourself and learning to think for yourself instead of always wanting to be a people pleaser or Oprah says the disease to please which is like inherent or 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 it's something that is very common in women um but I remember my first year of college I I asked my mom I asked my mom what should I major in and that is so I laugh at it because it's so reflective of who I I was that I always asked for permission instead of or or permission or also someone else's validation instead of doing things because I wanted to do it 
right? Because I was worried that I would make the wrong decision or I would make the wrong choice. So I really wanted to major in Africana studies, um, you know, while I was at Wellesley. And I remember talking to my mom about it. And I love my mom. She's an awesome woman. Um, and she has so much wisdom and so much amazingness about her. And that's why I ask her things, you know? Um, but I asked her, like, or told her. I don't know if I asked her or told her, whatever. All the same at that point. Um, I said, I want to major in Africana studies. What do you think? And she said, oh, don't do that. You know, you, you, you already know about your history. Like, you've learned about that. Do, do something else, like, you know, that you don't know about. But I mean, in, in actuality, I didn't really know about it. I wanted to study it, but I, you know, I listened. So for a while, I bounced around with majors, and I I was going to be a science major for a while, and I was going to study bio, and then I just really was not sure what I wanted to do, and I... I came across this major like peace and justice studies and I wanted to, I always, always have been passionate about environmental studies. I went to high school for environmental studies and everything. Now you can really Google me, <laughs> but I went to the high school for environmental studies and I've always been passionate about nature and animals and love animals, love, love, love animals. So um, when I, when I finally decided, well, actually when I was finally forced to choose a major, <laughs> I I found that you could there was like a, there was a way because there's always a way when you make a decision the universe always makes a way right when there's a will there's a way as cliche as that sounds but it's very 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 true um so I I made I found a, that there was a loophole where you could do a self-constructed major and a self-constructed major was essentially you had to write a proposal of what you wanted to study and what classes you wanted to take and talk to your advisor and I majored in, in uh, environmental issues and urban development. So essentially, I wanted to study environmental justice. So I did. And I managed to get that approved because I'm awesome. <laughs> and I was really happy with that. But I really noticed also that I had to, that I went against my intuition, which was, you know, majoring in, in, in black studies, Africana studies. Um, and then I had to like really go through things so that I could find something I liked. So when I graduated from, I don't know, in my junior year uh, of college, one of my professors said to me, and I loved her, she's so awesome. She's such a bubbly woman. She said to me, what are you going to do after you graduate um, from school? And I had, I mean, I, I guess I just hadn't thought about it because, right, the goal of my entire life since I was a child, since I was a, like, three years old child, had always been when you get to college. Not if you wanted to go to college or blah, 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 like that, like options. Like, would you like to go to college, Julia? Like, is that something you want to know? It was when you go to college, you know, 
this and this and that. So my entire life was set up with the idea that I would go to college, that everything I was doing in terms of my life's work as a young person of the age of, you know, from kindergarten through 12th grade was to get into college, get into a good college, get into a college that would make my mom proud, you know? And so that was something that I, that's what I worked on. And so when she asked me as, as a junior, what did I want to do once I finished, my mind was totally blank because I just, I never thought of that far ahead. I never, I, I didn't think about that. I just thought about getting there. And then I got there and I was like, now what, Julia? So I remember looking at her like saying, I don't know, I guess like, you know, I'll just do community work because that's the, that, that's what I had been doing. I had been working in the Boston community with um, youth, like high school students and middle school students, um, helping to train them and teach them so that they could then tra- train and teach other students their age about environmental education and what was happening in their community because environmental justice is a fusion of uh, environmental studies, environmental health, and also like social justice. So it's a very interesting and multifaceted thing. Um, so I told her that and she said, well, well, why don't you teach? And I looked at her, teach. Like I had never, I had never thought that about that. But again, at that point in my life, I was going by what others wanted me to do as opposed to finding my own voice. Even if finding my own voice at that point had meant I didn't know what I wanted to do and I was okay with that and I was open to being and just living and just seeing what's next, the pressure was to know what you're going to do, to make an exciting announcement about where you're going to go in life and what your next step is. And it was like sort of, well, I got to say something. So I said, yeah, that's a good idea. And after that, my life skyrocketed in the sense that I was uh, asked by her, I was nominated by her to uh, this fellowship to get more teachers of color into the public school system um, in New York and in Boston and like you know areas like that um, where there was a predominance of students of color and so I, I, I nominated and I was given um, a fellowship and the fellowship was awesome because I got to go to DC and do some work in the public schools there. I got to uh, really learn a lot about education. Um, And being a public school kid myself, I really did at the heart of things want to be a good role model, a good, uh, a good, like, strong black woman, you know, positive black woman in, in, in in a school system where you didn't really see that much anymore of, of black teachers, of, of, of young black teachers, you know? Um, 
So after being nominated for that fellowship, I also was required to complete my master's degree before becoming a teacher. So I had to go the traditional route, not the um, kind of, there's like, New York City Fellows program where they train you while you teach. I don't know how people do that. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's courageous because this is a lot to be a teacher. Every teacher that I know that is still teaching, I give you so much kudos because it's amazing, amazing, amazingly powerful work what you do every day. Um, So I appreciate you and I love you and I know I feel you. I understand. Um, But yeah, so... I applied to different schools. I applied to Teachers College and I applied to Brown University and I got into Brown and Teachers College because I'm bomb. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I got into both schools and then I was like, am I ready to come back to New York? Uh, I don't know. So I I got into, I I, I accepted Brown, but then later I was like, well, should I have done this? Whatever. Um, but I went to Brown for a year in Providence, and that was interesting. You know, it was a small program of students, and um, it was just honestly a blur. It was honestly a blur. Like, the thing that I remember the most, well, there's several things. I remember... I graduated from college, from undergraduate school, in 2007. Literally, the day that I graduated, on my graduation day, I scrambled with my family because my dad wanted to get back home within the same day and quickly at a deadline or something. I had to take all my stuff out of my dorm at Wellesley, throw it. I literally was throwing things into like garbage bags. Like I don't even know what I was doing, but I had to take that and I had to throw it all into the back of the van that my dad had rented. Then we went from my graduation. I think maybe I still have my cap on. I don't even know. You know, like my graduation cap on. We went from my graduation to Providence, um, Rhode Island to the apartment that I had found. In one day, I found this apartment. I I traveled to Providence. I went to, like, four different apartments. Like, I don't know how I did that, but I did that. And I found the right apartment. It was, like, this older woman. She ran out the first floor of her home, and it was, like, really interesting. It was, like, a road... You know those railroad apartments? It was, like, a long hallway, and then, like, you know, there was a room, one room for my bedroom and a bathroom, and then, like, a kitchen. Like, she literally split the apartment down the middle. And, um... So I, I thought, okay, she's like, I like supporting women or whatever. Um, but later I learned that she was trying to take my money. But anyway, um, yeah, so we piled all the things into my dad's car and literally drove from my Wellesley graduation to Brown um, so that I could put my stuff down. And then after throwing my stuff into that apartment, I then... I had to find, I think, a futon, so I had a bed to sleep in. We had to go do that. We did this all on the same day, I feel like. It was crazy. I don't know how we did this. But then, And then we went home. Um, maybe it wasn't all on the same day. I don't know. But then we went home, and I just remember feeling like, wow. There was no sort of celebration or anything. It just felt so rushed. 
and I thought to myself, I have achieved all that I was set up to achieve, been accepted to graduate school, and it still wasn't appreciated. It still didn't seem like enough. And I still, now being 21, I think, didn't really know what the, can I curse? What the fuck I was doing? Like, I really didn't, you know? And I just remember feeling really empty at that moment, you know? And I went on to go to graduate school and I met some cool people and, you know, Providence was great. And I then, that end of that year, I had to find a job to, to, to be a teacher. And I decided, oh, okay, I was ready to move back to New York City, you know. And I moved back in with my mother. And I remember the first school that I got offered a job I told my parents, and they said, take it. Take the job, because you don't know if you're going to be offered another job. My parents are, uh, my dad is 49 years older than me, and my mom is 43 years older than me. They had me, they, I mean, that was a surprise. (laughs) My parents are awesome people, but, like, I just, I wanted you to understand so you have some understanding of like my life um meaning like my mom had me when she was 43 and my dad was 49 um almost 50 years old so in terms of generational understandings I think there's some some differences between me being a millennial and and my parents um but yeah so they said take it it's 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 a wonderful opportunity just take it and I remember feeling like, I mean, this school is okay, but all right, well, they're saying take it. My intuition said, but I did it because my parents said I should, right? And I was still respecting and living for the approval of them. So I took it, and it was interesting. I was there for two years at that high school. It was an alternative school um, where I got to teach my own lessons, and that was great. But I remember, like, when I accepted there was this other school that I really think I would have enjoyed the principal kept calling me and asking me to come in and he wanted to talk to me and I had to tell him I already accepted another school but I didn't I wasn't looking outside of possibilities you know I was just always living in fear so instead of saying like well I haven't signed a contract with the school yet. Let me see. I just accept. I just told him, no, I can't. I already accepted another school. Um, so that was interesting. And I remember later regretting that because I hadn't taken the time to really think about what kind of schools I wanted to teach at, you know, because I hadn't listened to my own voice. And in between the four years that I taught, I went to three different schools, three different schools in four years. And in February of 2012, when I had, you know, been through a lot, I just, I just decided that I was 
I could I wasn't going to do it anymore. Um but before I talk about that, I want to I want to share something that I haven't really shared. Um in 2009, you like so New Year's Day of 2009 and 2008, uh you know, like December 31st, 2008, so New Year's Eve. I was I was sharing with you both with you before that I was drinking a lot because I was unhappy and I was using it as a coping mechanism. Now I realize um, to deal with that unhappiness. And in in December of two thousand eight, on 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 the thirty first, I went to this party that I like to go to. It was at this poet's house, and it was so much fun. I love house parties. I think they're amazing. Um, and it's really fun to 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 get to have that kind of experience. I don't I don't really think people do that anymore. This was, this was in two thousand eight, um, but that night I I was just I don't know what happened. I was drinking a lot. I thought I was having a good time, and I remember the last thing I remember. And I had this habit of like drinking not only my drink, but when I got really drunk, drinking other people's drinks. You know how, like, people will be like, oh, can you watch my drink? I would just drink it. Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? Um, And so I was drinking my friend's drink. I was drinking everybody's drinks. And there was this guy who was, like, around, and he was dancing with us, and we were having fun. And he said, oh, let me make you a drink, girl. You know? And I was like, okay. Um, but that's the last thing I remember of that night. Uh, I remember trying to find my friend and feeling really out of it and trying to get to the stairs and trying to get out. Um, but I just was so out of it. And the next thing I remember is opening my eyes and it being really blurry, like, really blurry, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't recognize where I was, and then the blur kind of came, came clear, and I saw the reflection of my, or not the reflection, I saw the faces of my mom, my dad and my friend that I had been looking for that night over me and I immediately jumped up and I said what, what's going on I looked around and I was in the emergency room I was in the emergency room of St. Luke's Hospital and I said what happened and I looked at my friend like what happened and she said, you, I had to, I had to, I didn't know what to do. Like, I had to call your parents. Like, I didn't know what to do. And I'm still mad at her that she did that, but that's fine. But I was like, you know, this was the first time that this, 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 something like this had ever happened to me. You know, the doctors explained that, like, I, I, it took like four people to carry me. My body was just like totally dead, you know, like, just, not moving and you know I had to just go to the hospital because maybe I whatever I drank or what I don't know what happened but 
it was like a wake-up call for me. Um, and it was also so embarrassing because I have been such this perfect child in the eyes of my parents. And they didn't know that I drink or any of this and now they probably thought I was like a huge man entire I mean I was a bit of a lush but you know like they thought I was like an alcoholic and um I I might have been I might really have been I might could as they say I might could have been um and yeah that was like a really big turning point for me because I realized that I needed to do something about my life, but whatever, regardless of that, like I can't continue teaching, um, in that school that I took the first option. And in that year I started feeling like, Oh, you know, I'm not really happy. This isn't really for me. I met, um, someone and we were in a relationship. I met this girl. We were in a relationship. You know, I met her while I was drunk at a party after I had broken up with someone else that I had been dating for a long time in college. And um, I, I, I was just kind of doing things, you know, because not really understanding the whys. I was just doing things. I was accepting people into my life because I thought I should or because I didn't want to hurt their feelings or whatever the case, but I wasn't thinking for myself. And I realize now that 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 incident that happened in 2009 was like basically like sort of my body's cry out for help, my cry out for help, the universe telling me I needed to wake up and think about what I was doing. But I didn't at that point. I didn't. I remember my parents maybe because, I mean, you got to think about I lived at home. So it wasn't like my mom came to the hospital and then she was like, oh, you shouldn't drink so much. Like, this was a really big deal. It was like I had to hear that when I was walking home, every time I would come home. <laughs> so it was, it was like that was a big deal. Um, but then, so, like, I couldn't drink around my mom. I didn't even want to look at alcohol for a really long time. And then I, um, I, I just, I just slowly like forgot about it. Stopped feeling so embarrassed, so humiliated, so, so vulnerable. Kept teaching and, but feeling worse and worse and not feeling happy in my relationship and just gaining weight. And I, you know, in 2012, I just decided, like, what the fuck am I doing? I was so tired. I was tired of being miserable. I was tired of being unhappy. Life wasn't supposed to be like that. And I knew there was this moment where I was teaching, and it was in middle, it was now I had moved to my middle school, and, um, I had locked out a student because he was, he was, you know, so emotionally disturbed. Why was he in my class? I don't know. But like, he was so emotionally disturbed that 
he was literally wandering the halls, like trying to get into other classes. And he climbed up onto the doorknob of, <laughs> onto the doorknob of like my door, my classroom door, because there was like a little glass like above the door and then continued or proceeded to bang his head against the glass of the door that was above, you know, it was like a, it was like a design, right? So it was like the door and then like glass above the door. He banged his head on that glass um, repeatedly. Luckily the glass didn't break and hurt him, but um, because that was happening, all the students, and I had like 35 students in my class, just me, 35 students, like all of the students were getting riled up and I had locked the door to make sure he didn't come in because there was no one helping me with the situation. And I had keys in my hand and I was so upset at that moment that I didn't notice that I was bleeding. And one of my students said, Miss, Miss, are you okay? And my wrist was bleeding because I had the keys in my hand and I was trying to get the attention of my students. And I think I was like talking, you know, and the key was in my hand and I by accident, like, because I would move my hands a lot when I talk, I stabbed my, um, the inner part of my wrist a little bit with the key or it scratched my wrist or whatever. I didn't even know because I was so angry and because it was so much chaos. And when I saw that, that was my moment. That was like that aha moment when I knew I had to do something else. I had to get out of that situation. I had to go. Um, so the night of like, I think it was like February 28th or February 27th, I was, I had to go back to school like the next day, I think I was sitting in my bed at that time. I, in 2011, I moved like to my own place. I, I was sitting in my bed. My partner lived with me at the time. My partner at that time lived with me, um, and I was just on the phone with my mom, as usual, asking her for what she thought I should do. And I was telling her, like, I am absolutely miserable at this job. I'm absolutely miserable. I'm just really unhappy. And she just said, no, you know, just stick with it. You know, you're a teacher. You're going to make great money. You're going to do well. This is just a tough point. Don't let them get to you. All of this stuff. You know, you can't just give up all of these things. You work so hard. And I was literally, like, crying out for help. And it was in that moment, I think, that I realized it wasn't about anybody else because no one can live 
your life for you. No one can dictate your life for you. No one can experience your life for you. Only you can experience your life and only you can feel what you feel, right? And so you have to make decisions that will help you live your best life. So in that moment, I hung up the phone with my mom and I think my aunt was also calling me and I just hung up the phone and that I think it maybe it was like early morning. I went to sleep maybe for a couple of hours and I woke up and I just wrote a letter to the principal and I just spoke from my heart and I just said everything I felt and because of that I could no longer be a teacher at that school. And I wasn't apologetic. I was very honest. And you know, I could do a whole episode on the New York City public school system. I'm a product of it. I do think there are so many positive things, but I think there's a lot to be worked on, especially in terms of teacher support. And, you know, I left the school in the middle of the year because I chose my sanity and because I believe and I know that sanity is much, 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 way much more important than money. No matter what. I will choose me first. And that was a lesson that I had to learn in my growth process, that I had to choose me first. And for a long time, I had defined myself by what I did, not who I actually was at that moment, but by what I did. And... After leaving teaching, I didn't know who I was anymore, you know, because like when people say, what do you do? Who are you? I would say I'm a teacher. And that's how I defined my life for a long time, for four years. And so in my 20s, so like, you know, as a young adult, young developing person, like you do define yourself often. We, we do define ourselves often by what we do, not who we are, um, we are at our core. So I was like, okay, now I don't know. And I was unemployed for a while, you know, and I had to figure all this shit out. I had to really figure it all out. And um, I'm really, you know, like everyone comes into our lives for a reason, good or bad, that your whatever your relationships may be, you know, it's like even if relationships don't work out, there are things that people come into our lives to teach us, like lessons. And I, my partner at the time that I was a teacher was really super, super, super supportive of my decision to stop teaching and I will always be appreciative to her and really show a lot of love and feel a lot of love uh, for her for doing that, Um, you know, because everyone was telling me I was crazy and the old me would just be like, okay, well, I'm going to just stick through it, whatever, be miserable. But the new me, the me that I felt was evolving, really, you know, 
was thinking about me and it but it also is great to have the support of your sisters of your partner of your love of your lovers of of well hopefully <laughs> your lovers i mean your love one love i mean that's whatever we that's another episode but uh, to have you know the support of your partner because i she was the only one who said if you want to quit it's okay I've seen you suffer. If you want to move to something else, it's okay. And I remember the day that I wrote the letter and I told her, she wrote me, she made me a card and it said, welcome to the first day of your new life. Congratulations. And that was like so simple in terms of the message and sort of funny but also so valuable and so important to me, you know? And it made a really big difference. So everyone, even if you're not together with the person anymore, because we're not together, um, but, you know, everyone comes to teach you something. Everyone is uh, really, I mean, they're, 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 they're really like a lot of soulmates that come into your life and they may be romantic or they not may not be. Um, and I've had, I've had several, but I, I remember that she really helped me to get to my next level, my next transition, my next, uh, my next level of being closer to myself. And so I'm very appreciative of that. And so in terms of my growth, leaving my teaching career was the boldest thing I've ever done in my entire life really and it in taking that risk you know it helped me to to take other risks you know and be okay with it um so after leaving teaching for a while I was a tutor you know I had like a lot of odd teaching jobs like I taught at LaGuardia Community College I taught you know at NYU I did a lot of interesting things and it was like the first time I I started seeing outside of the box, I started seeing like, oh, there's a whole world out there. Um, and while I was doing all of that, I I then was also job searching. So I found a, a, a regular nine to five job and um, it was okay. You know, I, I enjoyed working with, the, the clients, it was a nonprofit, and I helped to, to, to get women into the construction industry by training them, doing job training, doing interview training with them, helping them to articulate their skills. And I really liked that part. And so there was this message to me one day while I was working there, and like a message from God, from the universe. I like to say the universe. Um, telling me that I should start having events and or hosting like get-togethers you know gatherings of women so I did I wrote out a plan and I decided that I would have a meeting of women and interestingly <clears throat> despite the, the the relationship I have with my father um he allowed me to have my first ever, I called it Young Women's Professional Networking Group meeting 
at his house. And it was amazing. There were like all of these friends that I have had these really awesome conversations with. We're all in the same room, all for the same purpose to, to just share and grow. And I wanted to start having these meetings because I was, I was like, I was like, you know, you, you have all these really interesting separate conversations with women, with people, with people that you love, you know. And why not create a space where everyone can share knowledge together? Everyone could come together and share ideas, share energy with each other and really grow together. So that is actually the foundation or the basis of me working towards starting my own business. So while I was working full-time during the day, I was also planning for these networking meetings that I would host at night. And I did one a month. Each one had a theme. And I did this for 12 months. And I really enjoyed it. And I was like, you know, this this could be a thing. You know, I developed my own materials. I really put my passion into my work. And I started to think, you know, through researching, like, why don't I start my own business? Why don't I do this entrepreneur thing and become an entrepreneur? Like, it's in my blood. My father was an entrepreneur, my brothers. So I'm an only child from my mother's side, but I have nine, uh, well, there are nine of us from my father's side. Yes, yes, you know, you know, you know, you know the story. <laughs> I'm sure some of you can relate. Um, so one of my brothers was an entrepreneur. And so... um I, I looked at my finances and, you know, I took a leap and I started planning for my first event. And my goal was really to bring women together in a positive space, a shared space where, where we could share our energies, our knowledge, our professional goals and really grow together and create together and celebrate each other and really, you know, bounce ideas off of each other because I'm very big in, into idea generation and how that can how that can inspire others and really inspire you and inspiring others. And so I wanted to create a space for that. So the first event was called Initiative Ball and it was on September I think 20th of 2014. And it was amazing, but I spent way too much money, you know. One thing about entrepreneurship is you can spend so much money on your own before, you know, you get someone to sponsor you or whatever the case. And, you know, I I, I had the ideas, but I financially, you know, there's two parts to a business. So I financially wasn't aware. I wasn't really, I hadn't developed that that part of me. So when you're thinking about starting your own business, there are two things that you really need. Essentially, you need some really concrete, energy-filled, driven idea about what you want to bring to the world, what you uniquely can bring to the world. And then the second thing you really need to get good at is how you can bring that thing to the world and also survive, right? Because <laughs> you have to eat. And so uh, one thing I didn't mention was when I start, when I left teaching, I started kickboxing. I, I met another soulmate who, who 
my mom always says, when you're doing things you love, the right people will come. So I decided to go to this event and I met someone there and, you know, we kind of started talking and she told me about like, if you haven't done it, Shape Up NYC, I think it still exists. It's like a series of weekly, free, daily, free fitness classes. So I started going to these fitness classes with her and it really helped me to lose weight. I lost over 55 pounds um, and I've maintained, I gain a little weight now as I get into my 30s, but I've maintained that weight ever since I've lost it and I did it gradually. Um, but I lost my train of thought. Oh yes, now I remember. So, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to be able to eat, but though I was, and so you have to be able to, you have to be able to really have a business, economical, financial mindset along with, so I didn't really have an understanding of the business side. I just had a drive. And I would encourage people who are thinking about having your biz- a business, their own business, if you are a woman thinking about your, having your own business or a man thinking about having your own business, I really would, like I sympathize with you because, or empathize with you because when you have an idea, it's like your baby, you know? It's like giving birth to your first child. And you, it's really hard to let people in and let people have that idea that you worked so hard on. But I would encourage anyone who's thinking about starting a business, know your strengths in that business, know what you're good at, and then for the things that you need help with, ask for help. I was not used to asking for help. I'm an only child. I like to do things on my own. But I would encourage you to ask for help. Like, if you need help with, like, organizing the money of your business, the budget of your business, get someone who is really skilled, use your friend circle, use your friend network. That was something that I know in hindsight that I could have done. Um, Because what I found was I was spending a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of my own money, a lot of my savings, which is typical of an entrepreneur. But I wasn't, I wasn't um, knowledgeable enough at that time, or even educating myself because I was so preoccupied with my events and everything, and creating initiative space that I didn't, I didn't know how to also balance financially. Um, So while I was living in this amazing, have you ever been feeling like you're at the pinnacle of joy? I felt like in many ways, I was in this amazing pool of golden, blooming, intoxicating in a great way energy. Of, of of living in where Oprah says um, where art and God meet. I felt like that. You know, I felt like that. I felt like I was creating in a way that I had never been able to create. I was in my pinnacle of creativity. And um, in that, though, I was forgetting about my basic needs. I literally... And this is me being totally honest, revealing all. I literally became very reliant on my mom. I became very reliant on my friends, 
and my family, which is okay, but it also takes away from your freedom because I couldn't pay my rent anymore, right? Like I was making a little bit of a profit, but I couldn't pay my rent anymore. I couldn't pay my electricity bill anymore. And because all my savings, all my money was going into my business, all my supplies, everything like that, all the, all the, all the wine, all the drinks I provided, then I wasn't able to take care of myself, my basic needs for life. And I remember there was this moment, and at the time I had two cats and a dog, there was this moment where I couldn't figure out that night how would I feed them and how would I feed myself and I was just crying and I was crying a lot and I was starting to feel like I was living this double life between you know knowing that I was in my element and living my dream you know as having my own business and doing what I love. But then I was also, when I would go home, you know, at the events, I had my hair, like, looking awesome. I went to this barber that did a great job. I was styling. I was wearing suits that I loved while I was thrifting, though. I'm tell you all, I was thrifting the majority of my clothes, just looking amazing. Anyway, thrifting is magical. When you need it, it's awesome. Um, but I was doing that. And I was going home to mess. My house was a mess. My everything was a mess. And I was sort of like hiding behind my business. And I made that who I was, just like how I made teaching who I was. And I still wasn't really me. I still didn't know me. All I knew was the image I wanted to or I wish to project about myself. And, you know, because I couldn't pay my rent, I had asked my mom to help me and I was dog walking and I was doing all this stuff, but I was essentially not being truthful, you know? And that spanned into all parts of my life. It spanned into my friendships. It spanned into my romantic uh, relationships and I was very like unclear you know what I mean like I was I was very indecisive I was very unclear about what I wanted and I started to feel the same way I felt as a teacher I started to feel the same way I felt when I graduated from college I started to feel the same way I felt when I um, <clears throat> was asked in my junior year of college what I wanted to do, right? I didn't think about really getting to know myself. And though I was able to tap into my creativity, I wasn't taking care of who I really was. I didn't even know what, girl, I didn't even know what self-care was. And there was a moment, um, the final initiative space event that I did was a donation event. And there was a moment 
where my DJ um, was trying to like connect with the equipment and it just I remember like no matter what I couldn't connect the equipment I my calls weren't going through it was like you know when like nothing is working and it felt it felt like the universe was telling me I needed to disconnect I needed to excuse me I needed to take a pause and stop and really look at my life I needed to stop feeling sorry for myself stop feeling like the world was against me and poor me like I'm trying to do this idea and I'm starving I was so skinny guys I lost like so much weight. I was a uh, five, I'm five seven. I think I'm five eight. I like to say I'm five eight, but I, I think I'm I'm actually five seven. <laughs> but I was five seven. I weighed like a hundred and forty something pounds. I had never weighed that much in my life. Everything was kind of like my my bones were showing. People were asking me if I was eating, and it was just not a good look. And I needed to really tap into the reality of what was going on. And that was something I knew I wasn't doing. I was living in this creative world, which was beautiful, but I wasn't really taking responsibility and living in the moment and realizing what I really needed was a break. What I really needed was to tap into who I was and actually figure out, what the hell are you doing, Julia? Like, what are you doing? What is your goal? What are you giving? You know, I needed to figure that out. And after that last event that I mentioned, it was December 17th, 2015. Yeah, December 17th, 2015. So almost 2016. Um, I just stopped. And I had plans to do another event in 2016 but I just didn't and um a lot was going on with my personal life and I just stopped and the first thing I did in January of 2016 was I I picked up this computer that I'm recording on right now and I recorded my first podcast of Outside Hers and I remember the name for Outside Hers came to me so beautifully I was just like brushing my teeth and you know the name just came to me and um I knew like I needed to do a podcast and so I did like 21 episodes uh but I was still sort of living in this fantasy world and no excuse me I did 31 episodes but I only published 21 episodes And so I was still living in this, like, fantasy world of thinking, restricting myself to thinking. Like, I really love dog walking. It was amazing. Um, But not thinking outside. You know, you can be, you really, really can be trapped in your own mind. You really can be trapped in your own mind. And I realized that 
I was trapped in my own mind. And so I was tired. I didn't want to. I was 30 years old, 31 years old. No, I'm down 31. I was going to turn, I was 30 years old and I met someone who I, you know, am with now, my amazing partner. And, you know, we talked a lot and she was really encouraging. And I realized I was struggling because of myself. I was so caught up in the idea that everything was about credentials, everything was about where you went to school, what you did, because I was going to these networking events and everything was based on, like, what school did you go to? Oh, what do you do? Are you a lawyer? Are you a doctor? Blah, blah, blah. Are you an entrepreneur? Oh, what kind of business do you have? That I wasn't thinking that what I really needed was to get a job, get a regular job, something that would help me to pay my own bills as a fucking 30-year-old person, pay my own bills, and get my butt and life together, you know, just get myself together, so while I was dog walking, everything happened for a reason, I used to walk by this restaurant, um, because the the person I dog walked for was like way over um, on 42nd Street, and so I had to walk like from the A train, and I always passed this restaurant, And one day, I just said to myself, I'm going to go in and just talk to the manager. So I went in, and I talked to the manager and, you know, told him about my information. And he had someone interview me and, you know... The, the, the owner of the, that was who happened to be the owner of the restaurant at that time. And, you know, they, they said they would, they really liked me and they would call me back, but they didn't. So I went again in a couple of days just to show my face. And then I went again. And finally I received, uh, the, no, finally the, the owner told me, oh, we're going to have a new staff meeting on this day. So show up at two. That was the first time since 2014 that I started a real, I mean, I dog walked, which is an awesome job, but like a steady job where I had a daily schedule. Um, So I started working at a restaurant as a waitress on like maybe in March or April of 2016 and um I worked there for a while there were many signs you know the universe gives you signs there were many signs for me that that wasn't really the right fit um you know the way that the restaurant was run and everything like that there were there's just like lots of signs and you know I discovered that while I do enjoy talking to people. It wasn't in serving them in that way, serving them like alcohol and, and, and stuff like that. I remember what I, I was encouraged by the owner to not only be a waitress, but also a server, they say, but also a bartender. And wow, I made like a lot of money doing that. And it was interesting for me, but it was like, I had one night where this family came in, a father and son and their friend, and they kept ordering Jack Daniels like over and over and over. 
And I looked at my manager and he said, you know, like, keep giving it to them. But it was to the point where the son passed out and he could not move. Like, he could not walk. And, you know, I realized in this moment that it was like that moment that I had in 2009 where I couldn't walk. And um, at at that day, I realized this is not really the job for me. And a little bit later, that restaurant actually closed. And I got a message from the owner the day that it closed. Oh, the restaurant is closing. So I essentially had a day's, not even a day's notice. And within that day's notice that the restaurant closed. Um, Which, to me, was like a sign from the universe that I needed to do something else, that I needed to move on. Um, but the restaurant was reopening and what did I do? The first time it reopened, I showed up and I said, hi, are you going to hire back people? Now I would not do that. I would be like, you didn't, you gave me one day's notice that I wouldn't have a job anymore. Um, but at that point I was so, I was still sort of like caught up in the idea that I just, this was the only option I had. And I had stepped out of my comfort zone by accepting this job as a waitress that I, you know, this is all I had. But, you know, I started, so when the restaurant reopened, I started working there. I started doing, I was sort of like a, a banquet server. So I would serve like drinks at events and take orders. And it was really cool because I got to like see a lot of celebrities like John Legend and Wesley Snipes and like, uh, Danny Glover and like really interesting people but at the same time it was also like very superficial and I didn't feel that happy you know I didn't feel like I was I was really doing what I was supposed to do and um, it wasn't making me feel good inside and I want to do things that make me feel good inside and um so I remember feeling that I I needed to say something, I needed to speak up, and I needed to say that I need to move on to a new job. But I was scared of taking another risk, because then what? And so I remember being in the office of one of the managers, and he's looking to collect my paycheck, and he's looking at me and saying, like, how's your podcast going? And at that point, I had... I'd stopped doing podcasting and I just focused on my work at the restaurant. And I said, oh, you know, I'm not really doing it. And he said, why? I said, oh, I don't know. I'm just busy. And at the moment, I wanted to say, I can't do this anymore. But I didn't. And I kept working there and kept being miserable and complaining about it. And I realized that nothing in life Like, yeah, of course there are challenges in life, but nothing in life should be a struggle. All the struggle that we have in our lives, we create ourselves. We create with the limitations of our mind. We create with the limitations of our fear, right? So one day, we used to get automated uh, schedules on our phone. One day, um, I was on the schedule, and I asked, please, you know, I'd only like to work events from this point. Um, I don't want to serve in the restaurant. I just want to be a banquet server. And I told them that. And they said it was okay. But one day I was looking at my schedule on my phone. And 
I was I talked to the manager because I saw that I was only on for like one event and I said you know I, I, I noticed there are other events I wanted to know why I wasn't on and he said oh we give preference to people who are um, serving as well as doing events and I just was like okay and the moment I hung up the phone I looked at my schedule again and they had taken me completely off completely off the entire schedule so it's like I loved the universe said you can call the manager talk to them but I'm taking this opportunity away because you were too scared to do it yourself and I was like wow you know you ever look at something it's one way and then a minute you look later and it's another way it was insane so that's how my career ended in the restaurant industry and you know I was like wow what am I gonna do now and I started to freak out but I saw this sign for a supermarket and I never in my entire life imagined myself with a master's degree working in the supermarket but I went anyway something told me like you know you you enjoy learning about the process of food you enjoy food you know you enjoy cooking um, you had, I had applied to culinary school at this point cause I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and school has always been like, you know, the best option, go back to school. Um, but something told me to apply to the supermarket cause it was like more than a supermarket, you know? Um, and I applied and the process was so easy. It was so smooth that it was almost like the universe had carved out this path for me to get this job. And I've been working there since August, so almost eight months, or more than eight months. And I love it. I love it because I get to help people work with different food options. I get to work the register. I get to work on the floor. I get to move around. It really helps me create. I still get to interview people every time they come to my register and learn about what they want and what they need. And I am really at a point where I'm so happy. I'm so happy. And I'm so happy too, because in doing this work at a supermarket, I get to really focus on me. I get to, when when I'm done, it's unlike any job I've ever had. When I'm done, I'm done. I'm not grading. I'm not worrying about work. I'm not responding to emails. I'm done. And it's so liberating. It's humbled me a lot because I see people I know. And I've never been in a job where I've A, had to wear a uniform, and B, have had to wear a name tag. Um, but I do. And, you know, some people, they know that I went to Brown, I went to Wellesley, and now I'm working at Trader Joe's. Oh, I said the name of the supermarket. <laughs> But I'm working at Trader Joe's and like, you know, I just, I'm here and I'm just in my rawest form. And in in the, the year, it's interesting, like, you know, my, one of my previous partners, her mom used to always say, whatever you do the night of, like the, 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 like, um, on New Year's Eve. That's what you, that's going to talk about what your year will be like. And I always thought that was interesting, like, you know. And so uh, my partner and I, we planned to, like, go out and do all this stuff, but we ended up staying in. And, you know, 
almost so that like I was just, I was taking a shower, I was shaving my head for the first time on my own. Because I used to have a lot of hair and be known for my um barber doing like these edgy haircuts and everything. But this year, on December 31st, 2016, turning into the new year of 2017, I was shaving my head myself, bald, completely bald, and taking a shower, and I was literally almost in the shower, almost missed New Year's, like the ball dropping because both of us were just like doing our own thing. And my partner was like, come on, it's almost time. And um, I really literally rang in the new year naked from my head to my toes. And that has really been my path to self-discovery this year. It's been just being my rawest, truest, most vulnerable in a good way self just learning about who I am at the core with no labels no one at the supermarket knowing unless I voluntarily tell them knowing my background knowing my story knowing anything just being humble like Kendrick Lamar says (laughs) sit down be humble Um, But that's me. Like, I'm just being humble. And I'm reading a lot. I've done a book challenge this year. Since January, I've read over 10 books. And I've just been growing a lot, learning more about my finances, learning more about me and being a woman and just how to do things as an adult, take care of myself, pay my own rent, as basic as that sounds. I couldn't do that for so long. So this episode has been all about growth and it is a reintroduction to me into my podcasting and a reintroduction of myself for people who have never listened to my podcast. If you haven't, I encourage you to go back and listen to the other episodes. This is sort of like an in-between. I'm going to be posting um, the the 10 episodes that I never did post, I'm going to be putting those tracks up as well. And I'm making a promise that tonight and moving forward, I'm going to start putting my podcast out there again and really just living in my joy. And I thank you for listening to my podcast. I thank you for taking the time to you know, just vibe with me on this journey. If you have any questions or if you have any uh, suggestions or things you'd like me to talk about or you want to talk about something with me, whatever the case, you know, you can email me. I'll put all my information in in the, um, the, the notes of this podcast. And my message that I would like to leave with leave you with on this episode is be the love that you want be the joy that you want be the person that you want that you have always dreamt of being and there is no greater moment there is no greater time there is no greater risk than now now is the time so love yourself deeply holy first before you can do anything, love yourself, take care of yourself, don't be trapped by your mind, 
be open to the limitlessness of life, to the potential, to the possibility, to the infiniteness of life. Because you are the universe and you are such a wonderful person. You're such a wonderful being full of so much. So everything is possible. And know that. Live that truth. Say what you feel. Say how you feel. If you love somebody, if you miss somebody, tell them. Call them. Write to them. Just love. Be yourself. Love is everything. Love is all that we ever need in life. And knowing yourself is love. Appreciating yourself is love. Speaking from your truth is love. You are amazing. I love you. This is the start of many, 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 many more podcasts. That's my promise to you. So did you like this podcast? Write to me. Tell me what you thought. Everything. I love you very much. And I'm thankful for your listening ears. Until next time, be awesome. Be truthful. Grow. Grow immensely. Grow truthfully. I love you. See you soon.